okay, you can have it. Do you guys feel like that you need to greet somebody? <laughs> no, no. We went, <laughs> we went to uh, Phoenix this past weekend for Titus's graduation. And, you know, the cool thing about getting away is that you have an opportunity to visit churches. And so on Sunday, we went to Titus's church, uh, Pillar Church there in Scottsdale. Scottsdale. And uh, it's this interesting thing that happens for those who are working and on stage and part of the things that need to happen. It's hard to disconnect your brain. You find yourself saying, oh, they did that. Oh, that happened. It's time for this because that's how your mind kind of works. And their, their church gathering was very similar to ours. We had worship, and then out of worship we had hosting, and then out of hosting we had the sermon. And the host, right before the pastor came up, the host said, get up and greet someone, greet two or three people, and ask them this question up on the board. And so all eyes go up to the board. And the question was, what do you do to cheer yourself up? So I thought that was interesting. It makes people kind of get out of their comfort zone. And they said, find someone you didn't come with and ask them this question. Well, Nathan Snyder was sitting in front of me. I didn't come with Nathan. You guys drove separate. Oh, did you drive separate? <laughs> if you want to know about a lovely drive, just talk to Greg about driving 22-plus hours out to Phoenix. Anyway, Nathan was sitting in front of me, and so I grabbed Nathan, and I said, Nathan, what do you do to cheer yourself up? And he's like, oh, I don't know. And I see Nathan every once in a while at the gym. He'll go down to the gym and lift weights and exercise. And I said, is it going to the gym? And he goes, oh, heavens no. It's not what I do to cheer myself up. And I said, well, okay. What do you do to cheer yourself up? And he's like, eat. <laughs> I thought, what an honest answer. <laughs> so in any case, I won't ask you to get up and walk and greet and ask someone a question. But you never know. It might be something that you see down the road. Um, pastor had, had caught me a while back and asked me if I would uh, speak tonight. And I always love that opportunity. And so thank you, Pastor, for giving me this privilege Wednesday night, and so I just want to have a little Bible study with you guys, if that's okay. We'll just dive into the Word a little bit. Um, so if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to look in at the book of First Thessalonians, and that's an interesting book. We, back in the Fusion classroom, I'm giving them Bibles, and we're trying to learn how to find books of the Bible, because maybe in our generation, we had that, but, you know, you Google everything now. Where is this found? So 1 Thessalonians, um, written by the Apostle Paul, and just a little bit on the Apostle Paul and his writings, there are 27 books in the New Testament, okay? Matthew through Revelation, 27 books. Of those 27, Paul wrote 13, okay? So nearly half of the books of the New Testament, there is a, a book in question, the book of Hebrews does not have an author named. 
many theologians and those who study the Bible believe that Paul wrote Hebrews because of the style. You can read Hebrews and you're like, that sounds a little bit familiar. But we don't know that for sure. But Paul did pin his name to 13 books of the New Testament. It's very impressive. Of those books, the very first book that he wrote was 1 Thessalonians. He wrote that from Corinth on his second missionary journey. About A.D. 50-51. And it's a great book. It's followed up by 2 Thessalonians. What does Thessalonians mean? We hear these titles of these books and we're like, whew. And so Thessalonians is a book to those who lived in Thessalonica, which is a town in Macedonia that is in Greece. And it's still there. It's kind of renamed a little bit. Uh, has a different pronunciation now. But Paul wrote this to a church. And so it would kind of be like pastor getting up on Sunday and say, hey, you know, let's just choose Ray Bench for a second. Ray has written you guys a letter, and he sent it to me, and I want to read it to you. And uh, I'm sure it would be encouraging and yet challenging, anointed, uh, personal. And so that's, that's just what happened with Paul. Uh, the, the difference is that in Paul's time and in the canon of Scripture, it was gathered and said, this is so good. We've got to include it in the anointed, inspired word of God. And so this letter to the Thessalonians is where I'd like for you guys to look this evening. And I'd like for you to check out chapter 5. And I don't have um, a lot as far as reading is concerned. But there's a few things that I want to share with you as we look at chapter 5. Paul, finishing this first letter, said to the church, I just want to encourage you guys and give you some words to live by. Words of wisdom. I love people that just give wisdom. They just ooze wisdom. You're just around them. And sometimes they're not even talking. You just feel the anointing and you feel this wisdom that flows from them. And in verse 16, Paul starts out these cute, short little challenges by saying this. Rejoice evermore. It's not a long verse. It's two words but it has such great power in it. Rejoice evermore. He's saying this. Hey, church, be happy. If Jesus Christ has saved you, let your face know it. <laughs> so often we walk around, and as a church, as the body of Christ, not this church, as the body of believers, we walk around looking like death. We have this frown on our face, and... We have this worried look, and we're rubbing our head, and life is just terrible. And it's just, and you ask someone how they're doing, and they tell you. That's so harsh. Oh, and Paul said, church, be happy, because it's a choice. If you're going through something difficult, challenging, hard, you're not alone. Although the enemy wants you to believe that you're alone. You're not. We all have stuff. We all have our junk that we are wading through. It's your choice whether or not 
to let it pull you down and be miserable. But Paul said rejoice evermore. Evermore means all the time. Good luck with that. Rejoice evermore. But you don't know what I'm going through. Rejoice. It's your choice. And so challenging you this evening is something that I want to do throughout. I dare you to get up tomorrow and smile. I dare you to get up and say, this is a day that the Lord has made, and I'm going to rejoice because it's my choice. And be glad in it. Be happy. It's a choice. <clears throat> Display the joy of the Lord on your countenance because it's magnetic. I've said it before, but you know, one of the great privileges of working out in the public and working with others is that you get to see people maybe you wouldn't normally see or work beside people you wouldn't normally work beside. And just to be joyful and display that and have people say, what is your problem? Why are you always happy? You're different. And I go, duh, I'm supposed to be. That's my calling to be different. And... I really believe that the more joy you display, the more magnetic the Holy Spirit draws people to you. you got to be prepared for that, okay? But that's part of the job of being a witness of who Jesus is, is I want to smile. I want you to say, there's something different. And sometimes I find myself, you know, cornered, and, you know, someone's talking to me about their problem or their issue, but they feel drawn because they see something in me. And it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit is what they see. So it's magnetic. Smile. It's contagious. I've already developed um, eye contact and a magnetic pull towards Sarah because she's got such friendly eyes and she's done nothing but smile at me the whole time I've been up here, even if she doesn't feel like it. <laughs> and guess what? I know in just a part, but Sarah's not living this la-di-da perfect life where she just floats on a cloud all day long, and, and nothing but rainbows and pixie dust appear before you. No, no, life, life still has challenges, but being around Sarah, you wouldn't know that, because Paul said rejoice evermore, and, and Sarah goes, yes, sir, <laughs> got it, rejoice evermore. Verse 17, put this back here and hope for good things. <clears throat> Pray without ceasing. I'm going to admit something to you when I was young. We learned this verse when I was like in kindergarten. It was just one of our monthly scriptures. I had no idea what ceasing was. I thought it was like a spice that you'd put in a soup or something. You know, I need some salt and some pepper and some ceasing, okay? And so when, when God, through the Apostle Paul, says pray without ceasing, I'm like, what is ceasing? And how do I keep it out of my prayer life? It was kind of stressing me out a little bit. I just didn't know. So as I got older, <clears throat> I learned to cease means to stop. So pray without stopping. That seems kind of challenging. Pray without stopping. You know, Jeremiah 33.3 3 is God's telephone number. 
It says, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So I'm going to give you guys an example tonight. Let's just see how this is going to go. Some things are just spontaneous, and some things are just interesting. So we're going to see about this. Maybe nobody's home. Hey, John. Dad. Yes. How are you? I'm in recovery. <laughs> you not been feeling the best? Uh, <clears throat> got a little bronchitis. A little bit of bronchitis. I'm taking antibiotics and steroids and uh, drinking a lot of liquid. That's good. So I'm, I'm coughing less and enjoying it more. All right. Well, hey, Dad, I got you on speakerphone. I am, I'm speaking tonight. Uh, in the sanctuary, and so I, I needed you for an example, and so you're the guinea pig, and congratulations. Oh, all right. So can you just do me a favor while I got you? I'm just going to put my phone down. Just, just hold on for just a second, okay? Okay. He didn't say, who is this? And I didn't have to say, hi, Gene slash father. I'm your second born and youngest son, John. Remember me? We lived in the same house in Willisville for years. I didn't have to say any of that. He knew who I was, and he's ready to talk to me. And if I don't hang up this phone and he doesn't hang up this phone, we're going to continue to have some form of communication, even if he's just listening. Okay? Jeremiah 33.3 is a direct line to God, and when you get him, in your heart, and you accept him as your savior, don't hang up. And you got him. And when it's time for you to pray, you don't have to clear a path. Oh, God. It's been 28,000 years since we've last spoken. My name's John. I'm in Chester, and I need your help. God, I got this problem. You don't have to do any of that. All you got to do is say, Daddy, I, I need you. Right there. Right there. Direct line. Dad, I appreciate your help. I will probably touch back with you tomorrow and I'll uh, see how you're feeling, okay? Okay, well, appreciate it. You guys have a great time tonight. All right, thanks, Dad. Bye. See ya. Do you get the picture? That's pray without ceasing. We can go a, a period of time without talking, but when we pick back up, he knows who I am. In fact, Dad knows me pretty well. It's hard to kind of hide stuff from him. I can talk to him for a bit, and he's like, what's wrong? You know, what's up? How are the kids? How's the family? Everything okay? No different than Daddy God. He already knows, but he wants me to come to him. Whether I'm driving or getting ready to go to sleep, or sitting in church, or listening to a song, direct line, always there. Daddy, I need wisdom in this. I need direction in this. I need your voice to be heard in this, because I don't know what to do. I don't have to clear his schedule. I don't have to make an appointment. I don't have to be pretty. I don't have to get cleaned up. 
So many people say, and, and I've invited people my whole life to church, and they're like, well, I need to get some things in my life straight before I come to church. I go, you need to come to church right now regardless because your life's never going to be fully straight. You guys know what I'm talking about? There's never a time in life where you're like, man, all my problems are gone. There's always something there, okay? And he knows, and he loves us. Verse 18, one of my favorite verses in the entire canon of Scripture. And if you and I could get a hold of verse 18 and live it, life would be totally different. Paul says to the church, in everything, give thanks. Everything means everything. And there might be a question that comes up in your brain. Let me see if I can figure this out. You say, now wait a minute. I am sick. I've got a fever. I've got a cough. I've got the stomach flu. I've got a bad diagnosis. How can I give thanks? I'm going through poverty. I'm going through a relationship issue. I'm going through separation. I'm going through depression. How can I give thanks? And that's a great question, and I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you. Paul says this. In everything, give thanks. He did not say, for everything, give thanks. I'm not thankful for my illness. I'm not thankful for my depression. I'm not thankful for my relationship problem. I'm not thankful for my poverty. I'm thankful in the midst of all of them. I don't say, God, thank you so much that I'm running a fever of 104 and I feel like I'm going to pass out. I say, God, I thank you that you're my healer and you're my strength and you're my provider. And I thank you that sometimes you might remove the storm, but sometimes you just calm me in the midst of it. In everything, give thanks. Psalm 92 1 says, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Psalm 103.1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. What is our soul? I've heard pastor teach on this. I'm so thankful. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. Sometimes we have to say, Soul, we're going to bless God. Oh, but I don't feel like it. I didn't ask if you felt like it. We're going to do it anyway. Jenny bumped me this morning. I didn't set an alarm thinking I'd get up. And she bumped me and she said, it's such and such time. You have this many minutes and you're going to be late. Oh, yeah, but I don't feel like going to work today. <sighs> I'm tired. So what? <laughs> I call pastor. Pastor, I just, you know what? I just don't feel like coming to work. Are you sick? No. You got something going on? No. Why aren't you coming in? I just don't feel like it. It's not valid. Invalid, police officer pulls you over. Why were you speeding? I didn't feel like going the speed limit. 
good luck. It's invalid. Mind, will, and emotions, you will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. And there are four verses. Pastor, there was a time back, um, I think the 1st of March, that um, you'd asked me to kind of keep my calendar open that I might be speaking. And so I had this entire sermon on this next little section. But I didn't speak, and then the next time you asked me to speak, God gave me something else, so I just moved on. There are four verses in Psalm 107 that David writes down the same verse four times. And you can look at it, you can highlight it, I don't have it, we're not going to pull it up, but it's Psalm 107, verse 8, 15, 21, and 31 are the, all the exact same verse. And it says, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. And then David would go for a while and he'd say, oh, that men would praise the Lord. And then he goes for a while and he does it again. And he does it again four times in the same chapter. What do you think he's trying to say? In everything, give thanks. Everything in it. See, it doesn't take a mature Christian to be thankful when it's all good. When there are no giants to fight, it's all good. Unfortunately, it usually takes a Goliath in our life for us to get right with God. And that's sad. In everything, we should give thanks. Verse 19, quench not the spirit. We hear the word quench. What do you guys think of when I say quench? Anyone? Very good. I'm going to take care of that. So if I say quench your thirst, you're going to eliminate it at least temporarily, take a drink, ah, eliminate that thirst. Is there anything else that you can think of when you, I say quench? I wrote down two things. Satisfy, and a good definition, or at least kind of opposite, contrasting to satisfy. I wrote down, we, we can quench a fire. We used to think that it was the coolest thing ever. We would light matches and then go, Pfft. anybody else do that? No, <laughs> it was back before we had any kind of like aim of flames or little lighters. Matches, stick matches, and then you wet your fingers and you, and we were really tough to do that, really stupid. Quench that fire. We would put it out, we would extinguish it. And so the Bible here says quench not the spirit. Don't extinguish or eliminate the spirit of God. Well, how do we do that? Well, I'm going to pick on Josiah. You're welcome. Josiah is in the midst of a relationship right now. What is her name again? Michelle. We got a chance to see Michelle while we were out in Arizona because she lives in Phoenix. Josiah and Michelle have taken their relationship to a point that I, as a dad, am kind of waiting for the next step but I'm going to trust him because he's the one that needs to make that decision. But we're going to play a little pretend game tonight that Michelle is here with us and Josiah has decided that he wants to treat us all to a visual proposal. And so Michelle comes right on up here and she comes up on stage and Josiah comes right up here on stage and we're all kind of excited because we're like, we know what's going to happen. 
And Josiah is assuming the position, reaches in his pocket and pulls out a ring. And he pops it open just like in a Hallmark movie. And he looks up into her eyes as she's just beaming with joy and excitement. And he asks her those quest- that question that we've all been anticipating. And we're all thinking, this is the coolest thing ever. And just as Josiah is getting ready to ask that question, Jay goes, do I smell? Did I... Did I offend anybody when I came in? Because I don't think I put on deodorant. Anybody catch that? Anybody at all? No? Oh, because I think I kind of do. And Josiah has this look as if to say, I'm going to hurt you. The moment has been interrupted because of a distraction. Quench not the spirit. Pastor, I don't think there are any youth in here that, that's going to be offended as I say this, but you and I have talked about it. It's distracting when you're up here and you are just flowing in the spirit and sharing with us what God has and you look around and someone's texting on their phone or scrolling, just scrolling. <laughs> You want to talk about a distraction that quenches the spirit of God? And it hurts. For those of us who are hungry for the word, I go, oh, Lord, help him. Holy Spirit, keep his mind. Because I know, I've I've been up here and I've saw that before. You are quenching the spirit of God by your distracting behavior. Or what about insensitivity? That's very insensitive when someone's talking to you. Have you ever had someone that you're sharing something very important with and they just, they just start counting ceiling tiles or something, like they don't seem inter- interested at all. You have quenched that spirit. God was using you in that person's life. So often, Josiah, you and I have talked about it. Observation and consideration. Observe the situation around you and then consider how you should act. Okay, If someone is over in the corner crying, obviously distraught by something that's just happened bad, don't walk up to him and say, knock, knock. That's not the time for that. That's very insensitive. I don't, I don't and Paul didn't want the church to quench the spirit of God by being insensitive or distracting. Don't take lightly someone sharing with you their heart. Candace is talking to me about a very serious problem. I can tell it's hurting her. And God's telling me, you don't have to say anything. Just be there. You don't have to offer advice. You don't have to preach to her. Just listen. And in the midst of it, I decide I've got a better idea. Yeah, Candace, I remember when something like that happened to me. Let me tell you all about it. You just sit down there. So there was this time that that was happening to me, and this is how I dealt with it. Man, I wasn't happy about it at all, and it was me, 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 and my, 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 and all about me. And I've taken the attention that God wanted me to to shine on Candace, and I said, give me that spotlight. 
<laughs> and we've all been guilty of that, and we've all experienced that, where you were wanting to share your heart, and the moment you get the first three words out, they're telling you something about them. Let's not quench the Spirit of God when he's moving in our life. Verse 20, despise not prophesying. These are big words. Despise is maybe a word we've heard before, but prophesying, we don't really know what that means. So I broke this down. Despise means to hate or hold in contempt. To consider something unimportant or make it small. That is to despise something. Prophesying is another word for the scripture or things of God, okay? It's not necessarily a prophecy. It's a prophesying, which is just an encouragement, a challenge, direction from the word of God. And Paul said, don't make small the things of God. Don't treat God like your doormat. Don't think he's always going to be there. I can treat him however I want. He's going to love me regardless, and so I'm going to live my life. That's like me saying, my wife loves me no matter what. She's vowed her undying love to me. She's never going to leave me, and so I can live however I want to live. Well, that's dumb. And Paul said, don't be dumb. Don't make small or make light of the things of God. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've hid it in my heart that I'll not sin against you. Jesus said in Matthew, where is your heart? He said, don't lay up for yourself or worry about laying up for yourselves treasures and, uh, on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But he said, instead lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. And then he said this in verse 21, of chapter 6, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you are walking in a lifestyle that does not despise or make small of the things of God, your treasure values him. He is what you gravitate toward. He is the one that you desire to be in relationship with. Your treasure is in him. And I've said it before, we can... We can move this in an entirely different direction. Where do you spend your time? That's where your treasure is. Where do you put your money? That's where your treasure is. Is it in your possessions? Is your identity in your job? Is it in status? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. So that's why it's very important that you value the things of God and don't despise or make small his word. There was a group of people that Paul was visiting in Thessalonia, um, and he was challenging them, and, and you can find this in Acts 17, and he said, I'd like for you guys to be more like the church of Berea. Anybody here ever heard of the church of Berea? It's only mentioned this one time. Here's what was said about the church in Berea. They searched the scriptures daily. Wow. Um, 
you know, I would love for that to be said of me, not by you. You can say that. That's fine. If I'm going to draw you to Christ, that's going to be fine. But I want the Lord to know his love letter to me is so important that I'm searching his scriptures daily. I'm in it daily. I can be in Facebook daily, right? I can be in Instagram daily. I can be on ESPN daily. That's easy. Sometimes it's challenging, but it's necessary. Not that I have to, but if it's important to me, shouldn't I want to? I don't have to buy my wife flowers or candy or treat her nice, but I want to. I'm not under law. I'm under love. We should be the same way. The Bible is something that should be valued and treasured. Okay, verse 21. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Prove means to try or examine. <laughs> Can you guys think with me for a moment when David was getting ready to go fight Goliath? And he went into King Saul and he goes, I'm going to take care of this giant. Don't worry about it. And Saul said, but you don't have any armor. You're going to need some armor. And get him my armor. And David was a young teenage boy and Saul was head and shoulders taller than everyone else. Guess what happened when David put on Saul's armor? swallowed him. David looked like a little seven-year-old boy walking around in a suit of armor. And David said this, and you can find it in uh, 1 Samuel 17, 39. David said, Saul, I can't use your armor because I haven't proved it. I haven't, I haven't tried it. I haven't worked with it. And Paul used the same word when writing to the church. He said, prove all things. Try them out. And then find what is good. You guys ever used a sifter? Do they still have those things if you're baking or cooking a sifter? I remember my mom using that. And she would put something in it and she'd sift it down. And sometimes if something big or clumpy was in the pile, as she sifted it, that remained. She was, she was weeding through that. And so Paul said this, prove all things and then hold fast to those things which are good. In Proverbs 23, 23, it says, buy the truth and sell it not. Find those things that are true and honest and pure and lovely and virtuous and of good report. Find, think on these things. Look at you, Philippians 4.8. We need to prove the things that we hear and hold fast to what is good. If you're going to watch the news, that's going to be a lot of work. Because not everything they say is true. Someone asked me yesterday, do you watch the news? I said, I don't. I don't. I don't turn it on in the morning, in the evening. I don't Google stuff. I don't seek out the news. Why? Because so many of the things that I've tried to gravitate toward is not true. Prove all things, and then once you find what is good, hold fast to it. You know what's good? Walking in integrity. You know what's good? Being a joyful person. You know what's good? Telling others of the great things God has done for you or just living a life that's different than theirs. Hold on to those things that are good. Verse 22 says, abstain from all appearance of evil. If it walks, sounds, smells, and feels like a duck, it's probably a duck. I'm not being judgmental to the duck. Don't be judging the duck. Hmm. Quack, 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 quack. Maybe the duck identifies as a pigeon. I don't know. 
To me, it's a duck. <laughs> if it looks, sounds, smells, tastes, feels like evil, it probably is. If there are people gathered and you know they're gossiping, don't go be a part of that. Just, just choose not to. Okay? Abstain, and we misquote this verse all the time. People say, abstain from evil. The Bible says, abstain from evil. It doesn't say that here. It says, abstain from the appearance of evil. You don't need that. It's probably a fruitless pursuit in your life. It's not going to draw you closer. I'm not going to tell you you can't drink. But if you can show me how drinking is going to bring you closer to God, let's go. It's probably a fruitless pursuit, okay? It's not going to yield a whole lot. I can drink all the soda that I want. It's probably not going to be beneficial. God doesn't love me any less. But if I'm trying to be healthy, I'm not picking on anybody who's drinking soda or drinking alcohol. I've just learned that the more Mountain Dew I drink, the worse I feel. Oh, it tastes good for a little bit. And sin has its pleasure for a season. But afterwards, it leaves me kind of going, ugh, ugh. And so I don't. I abstain from that. Verse 23. Last one. You guys have been awesome. Verse 23 is the longest verse in this particular portion of Scripture. Paul's given these one-liners. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil, and then he gets a little wordy. And he says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray to God that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Sanctify is a church word. It's a Bible word. We don't hear a lot of sanctifying or sanctification out in the world. It's just a fancy word for being set apart. I used to collect baseball, football, basketball cards. You go to the store, you buy a pack of cards. It had a stick of gum in it, Mike, that was the nastiest hardest piece of gum ever. You know what we did with it? It wasn't gum. Nevertheless, we stuck it in our mouth. <laughs> and we tried to chew it. Okay? So I did this for two decades. From the 70s through the 90s, I collected cards. And for enjoyment, there were times that I would get out my very favorite binder. It held all of my Dallas Cowboys cards. Oh, it was beautiful. Roger Staubach and Bob Lilly were in there. On down through Tony Dorsett and Randy White. Into the Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, and Michael Irvin era. That binder, it was special. It didn't get put in the bottom of the pile. It was on top by itself. It was set apart. It was sanctified. It was special. So Paul says this, I pray that the very God of peace would sanctify or set you apart to make you different, 
Miss Betty gave me a book that I'm reading. It's called Revealing Revelation. And I'm getting close to the end of it. And I'm not going to get into prophecy because it's way too deep. But there's a time after the rapture of the church that God will seal 144,000 Jewish preachers that will preach to the nations during the time of tribulation. And they are going to be sealed in that they cannot be harmed by the Antichrist. The rest of the world is going to have to have a number either in their, their wrist or their forehead that causes them to be able to buy and sell. These men do not have that. They're set apart. They're different. They're not like everybody else. They're not blending. They're not saying, I'm just like you. Not, not what they're saying. They're taking the words of Peter in 1 Peter 2.9 where he said, guys, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. I know I'm peculiar. You don't have to tell me. I realize I could be one of the strangest people you've ever met. That's okay. That's what I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed to. You know, you remind me of about every other person I've met in my life. I don't want to be that. I want to be peculiar for Jesus. To show forth the praises of him who's called me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. These are just a few verses that Paul used to challenge the church in the first book that he ever wrote. And thousands of years later, we can benefit from this challenge. I want to pray with you guys. Father, thank you for the night and for your word. How awesome it is to be in your word. One of my favorite things. I thank you that it challenges, it encourages, it strengthens that it gives direction, that it gives light. Thank you that we can just dive into a few verses tonight. And I pray that as you have promised, your word will not return void. I thank you that it's being planted into the hearts of the hearers tonight, that they would know that you love them, that you have a call and a purpose on their life, and that your word is your love letter to us that guides us through this journey. Thank you for blessing our time together. Bless the rest of our evening as we fellowship a little bit and give us safety as we travel home. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for letting me just challenge you a little bit tonight. It's been a lot of fun. Pastor, again, thank you so much. You guys have four minutes until class is let out. You are dismissed.